Okay, welcome back to Insights, the podcast of Lead Admit. We are now in episode 20, part C. Uh, so round two discussion has, has run a little long, but so much to discuss. So uh, in the first part, we talked a ton about uh, general strategies and differences between the two rounds. I think a, a heavy focus on MBA. Round two, we talked a lot about technical programs. That was data science, computer science, uh, marketing, uh, we have MFIN. I think I did mention that, but of course it, it falls in the same schedule. You got film school. Uh, so we'll have things like that. Uh, so that's going to be covered in part B, but we have a few more nuanced questions left that we've seen a lot from, uh, the clients, uh, or that we just get messaged, uh, from people that are looking for a little bit of insight, uh, a little bit of help. So what do we have left, uh, Fernando? Yeah. So we have a lot of, uh, so we have some more questions that are a little more pointed. Um, so one of the big ones is, um, should I choose a one-year program versus a traditional mm. two? Right. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And I think you're right. If you go back to other episodes, you said it comes up. It tends to come up a lot in round two, um, which is round three for the UK, because that's what Oxford and Cambridge are, right? So as you start looking at schools that have a round four and you can kind of push uh, those programs and apply in February, suddenly one-year programs are on your radar, maybe more than they were in round one. Um, and I think round uh, one-year programs, it, it, again, it's completely up to the applicant. Uh, for some people, they're in a hurry to come back for their family business. So that's a big thing we see at Oxbridge is people that know exactly what they're going to do. They don't need the internship. They do want to get the brand. They want to get the education and they're going to come back and run their giant family firm. So there's those people. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that can only afford one year. Uh, and so they want to get the prestige of an MBA program, but they don't want to pay for the two-year experience. So I think that can be a factor as well. Um, and then we're seeing this as well. Uh, Kellogg has a one-year MBA. You got to have a, a business degree. You can't be engineering. Um, so what their mindset is in the UK, it doesn't matter, but at, at Kellogg, it matters because they are essentially skipping the first year in their mind and they're taking you immediately to the more difficult stuff, but it's a lot easier to get into that program. Um, they actually don't publish, uh, have to publish the average GMAT of that program. Uh, so it doesn't affect their ranking. And that is why it is easier to get into the one year than the two year. A lot of people think it's just because it's shorter and it's really not that it's because it doesn't affect their ranking. So they can let you in. If you're at a 680, you're not going to hurt anything from their 740 average. So uh, we do see people uh, kind of do that because they'd rather have number five in the world and sacrifice a year than to go to, you know, number 14 and get a two year. And uh, of course, that's completely up to the client. So I think my thoughts about one year versus two years is that you just have to have that discussion. You have to recognize the pros and the cons. And so it's something that we really talk to the client about because we have to ask them, why, why are you doing this? You know, why do you want an MBA? Uh, maybe you even want to add some MS programs that are a year. Do you want to go to Columbia and get an MS or do you want to go to UCLA and get an MBA? I don't know. It's not my job to, to know. I mean, it's up to you uh, because my job is to help you achieve your goals. Uh, so that's what I always tell clients. I think there are companies that maybe push you toward more quote unquote famous or high ranked programs because they want to advertise it, right? They want to say, oh, look, we got this or they want to put your name and your picture everywhere. We don't do that. We don't put people's names and pictures anywhere. 
And we have already, in 16 years, we've had every big school you could need. We've had 50 Harvards or 50 Stanfords, whatever it is. I mean, literally lost count. So we don't tend to push people toward things that make us look good. We are already referral-based only and just fine. So if somebody wants to go to Oxford or Cambridge, great, then you should. Um, as long as that you have, you have your own reasons and I've explained everything to you and, and that's what they've decided, then absolutely. Um, and then what we'll try to do is say, okay, well, there are some one-year programs in the U.S. There are many, but there are some. And, and so that's J-term. It's actually one and a half years, but there's that. Um, there's Ross Global MBA, which had disappeared for a couple of years, but is back. Um, but you have to do that early as well because it starts in February. Um, USC has a it's IBEAR. It's like an executive MBA kind of a thing at six years. Uh, you got Stanford MSX once you have eight years of work experience. So depending on your profile, you can blend UK and US pretty well if you are doing, um, if you are focusing on the one-year program. But by and large, MBAs in the US are two years. So if you want to do one year, you may end up doing a master's in technology management or uh, an MS in something, uh, right? Uh, because uh, yes, we have one-year options, but they, oh, Babson actually has a one-year MBA too, um, which has, you know, it's number one in entrepreneurship and CP uh, group has really made it famous. So there are options that we want people to know about, uh, but ultimately it's about deciding what's right for them. So I don't think there's a, uh, a hierarchy of one year versus two year. I think it's about what are you trying to get out of it? What are your uh, needs? Do you need to hurry up and get back because you got a family business waiting for you? Are you wanting to pivot into working abroad? Then you may really want that internship because that's basically a, a, a very long job, job application. So um, don't I don't have strong feelings about one versus two. I guess as American, you always feel like more education is better, but uh, we don't project that onto clients. It very much is about what they want. So, so in a similar vein, uh, what about an executive MBA versus a regular MBA? Yeah, uh, people really rarely ask about that because ties apply so early, right? They apply like literally the first minute they can, uh, which is two years of work experience uh, and uh, you know three when you enter or whatever. It depends on the program. But uh so we tend to not have people that are that would even qualify. So it just doesn't come up a lot. Uh, we will have some people that are magically in that in-between spot where they can do both. Uh, but executive MBAs are a little bit problematic because you need six or eight years of experience, 10 if it's MIT. Uh, but also a lot of executive MBAs are part-time, which means you can't get a visa. So that's why you very rarely hear about them uh, in Thailand. People aren't talking about them because you don't qualify for them. So you either don't have enough work experience or you can't get a visa, so you can't go live in the States, which is kind of the point of all of it, right? So um, NYU, for example, has one, that, but it's nights and weekends, and so you can't get a student visa for it. Uh, but executive MBAs are are great, again, if you're an executive, if you have a ton of work experience and you want to jump into really advanced stuff and you want to network with really experienced people, can absolutely do that. So what we do is we explain all of that to people. This is the average age. This is the average work experience. These are the kind of classes you're going to take. And then 
allow them to make an informed decision. Uh, but yeah, we just don't see a lot of EMBAs because people don't qualify. Great. Uh, so getting away from uh, the programs for a sec. Uh, so a question I get a lot is, should I still take um, the GMAT, take any other test, uh, even after I've uh, turned in my application? Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because our answer is literally different from everybody else's. Uh, but somebody just sent me a screenshot uh, from, I don't know, USC or UCLA, and it says, we will not accept scores submitted after the deadline. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. But if you send them a score that's 40 points better and they haven't read your application yet, of course they're going to look at it. If you're interviewing, one of the first questions you get asked in an interview is, what's changed since your application? My 740 has changed since my application. Of course it matters, right? So we do encourage people uh, to keep trying. I mean, uh, there are people that I mean, you see them, man, they're just so exhausted and they're so emotionally exhausted. And they're like, I cannot take another test. Um, Sometimes it's because of they've literally taken five to 12 months or they've hit their eight lifetime. Uh, so obviously those are, are, are other factors. But, but yeah, I mean, maybe you get the application done, submitted, get the hardest part out of the way. And after that, you're just doing interview prep. You're sitting around waiting for interviews. You can take a test. Um, if they've already dismissed you or thrown your application in the trash, then yeah, it's not going to have any impact. But if you manage to get an interview, then it, it, it can. Um, so, so yeah, we tend to push people. We tend to push people. Uh, we're not very passive about this and we really want to give people come to us because they want to do the seemingly impossible. They want to go to the best schools in the world that are 80 points above their GMAT average. Um, and you know, maybe they have a GPA issue or maybe they don't have, they have a, a work gap or I don't know, they come to you with five problems and they're like, but I want magic. You say, okay. Uh, we'll do magic, but you're going to have to work. And here are some of the ways that you can go above and beyond and work harder than everybody else. So, uh, so yeah, uh, keep taking the test. Um, and I think it's really valuable. You do have to manage your time because if you're studying for the GMAT in December, you're probably not working on your application hard enough. So uh, notice I said, take the test. I didn't say study for the test. And those are two different things. Now for ties, they're the same. They're like, well, how could I take the test if I'm not studying 10 hours a week? Just show up. <laughs> There's a cancel button. So, uh, but it is hard to convince yourself to do that. But these are just conversations we have with people. Um, and so I think the, maybe the most important thing is to say, balance your, manage your time well, make sure that you're invested in the most critical components at the right time. Of course, this is December. So right now you are not studying for the GMAT. You should not be, right? You're focused on the application. Uh, late Jan, early February is around. Everything else is done and you're just doing interview. Our interview classes run through this year, run through like beginning of March, which kind of lines up with the interviews themselves. So uh, we, we take a little bit of a break around the holidays, start early so people learn the strategies, take a little bit of a break so they can focus on well, the holidays, uh, time with their families or whatever, but mostly they're submitting and getting ready to submit, uh, chasing down recommenders. Uh, but then that allows us to carry the group interview all the way into early March, which aligns with your interview invitations and interview dates. So uh, yeah, I think there's a time in February where maybe you can take another test if uh, circumstances allow. So uh, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. So we don't have sweeping answers, but 
I think it's an important question and I'm glad you brought it up because other people do have sweeping answers, which is no, it's done, right? The moment you submit your application is static. And we have seen over the years that that is not necessarily the case. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I think that covers all the major questions that, uh, that have come up lately. Uh, Awesome. Well, it only took us an hour and five minutes to (laughs) to have our 20 minute conversation that we planned. So, well, thanks. uh, Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, Fernie, I know it's a crazy time for both of us, but um, uh, as I said, we wanted to make sure we're telling all of our clients this, but we do feel this obligation because we can't, we are turning away clients. We have to. Um, Once we get to capacity, we're at capacity. And of course, that always feels we feel bad about that because we we aren't necessarily happy with what that means, whether that's having to find somebody else or apply on their own. But it is something that we have to do in the interest of the existing clients. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're not rooting for those people. And the podcast to me and to you has just been this great tool to be able to, to help people um, that are uh, maybe trying to apply on their own or they're thinking about applying, getting ready to apply. But essentially, they're not in our system so they don't benefit from all the the tons of stuff we do. I mean, we have classes three days a week um, and our clients just get a ton of help and we wanna make sure that every once in a while we take the time to make sure that other people are getting at least some of that information as well. So um, so it's important for us to do uh, that, but that, of course that doesn't mean it's easy to do. So Fernie, thanks so much for, for, for taking the time out to do this. I think it was really, really helpful for everybody. Absolutely, my pleasure. All right. Well, everyone, best of luck. Uh, if it, if you're listening to this on the 17th when we post it, uh, good luck. Uh, we wish you uh, the best of success um, and hope this has been helpful. Uh, if this is helping you plan for uh, 2023, uh, great. That means you're ahead of the game um, and you can reach out to us and, and see uh, you know if we can help you in any way. Uh, but regardless, we wish everybody success and uh, thanks for joining us today. Take care.